I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. So uh, my mother came to visit from uh, abroad, 
and we spent uh, with her partner, and we spent a few days in Tasmania. And it was one of those things where we're in this homestay and middle of nowhere, and uh, I was just taking a shower, and you know, this whole thing of what am I doing with my life is playing on the loop in my head, and it's, it's a bit like a cyclone building up, building up, building up, you know, whirling around, whirling around, and then suddenly we're in category one, the category five, <laughs> and in the shower, I just like. I need to hit the road. I need to travel. I need to see the world. I need to. I need to step outside of society yeah, right. and observe it, and try and understand why am I so confused about this societal behavior and where it's all going. And uh, and so five weeks after that um, revelation, I hit the road. I just packed everything up. I didn't have any any binding contracts. I didn't have any. Um, anything to, to keep me in place. I wasn't in a relationship, nothing. Uh, so I basically packed my car up, drove from Melbourne to Darwin, got rid of the car, found a boat to Indonesia, and, uh, got on, a, got on the boat to Indonesia where I met a guy called Baza, who was traveling, uh, around the world as well. He'd been two months on this boat coming up from New Zealand. Right. And we were sharing our story. So I'm going to go from New Zealand to Scotland to visit my mother. And I'm going to go up overland through China and stuff. And I said, well, I'm going, I'm going around the world as well without flying. <laughs> uh, but I'm going the other way. I'm going to South America. And, uh, and so we ended up traveling together all the way up to Thailand. Yeah. And then from Thailand, uh, I found a boat sailing to South Africa. And Basil went on, on his way and, and made it to Scotland without flying. Yeah. Um, and he's got his, his, uh, website was the going the long way home. Uh-huh. And his work was all about also not using money, rather doing charitable work with charitable organizations on his way mm. to promote them. Yeah. And I really wanted to, on my travels, I wanted to help out with the environment and spread that message. That was very important for me. And so, when I left traveling, when I left to travel, my thoughts were, A, how do I do this? B, how do I do this without using money? Mm. Um, and C, why am I doing this? Because <laughs> <laughs> you know how parents get when I told my mother, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to travel the world. I'm going to hitchhike. I'm going to not use money. I'm yeah, she's probably packing your lunch for you. <laughs> Uh, I'm going to exchange uh, my skills for food and bed, and uh, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to be a nomad. Yeah. And, you know, the first instinct for, for a mother, I guess, is what about settling down? What about getting married? What about uh, children? I want grandkids and Safety, all this. security. And, yeah. and I said to her, Mum, that's what you want. I don't want that. Mm. I'm not interested in that. I really, I've never been able to settle down. I've always been moving around. Mm. Um, and so she finally came to terms with it and uh, settled into the idea. And so I sailed uh, from Thailand to South Africa with a few stops um, on some islands on the way uh, with just two guys that I'd never met before. Uh, and that was five months at sea. And we hit Cape Town. And before we hit Cape Town, I'd already lined up a boat heading to South America to Brazil right. for the World Cup because this was uh, 2014. Mm-hmm. And I was really aching to go. And I reached uh, South Africa and I get an email from the captain on the boat that I had lined up saying he had to set sail earlier. Yeah. So I missed that boat. And I thought, well, I guess that's just you know a sign that I don't need to go to South America right now. I yeah. should head north mm-hmm. to Jerusalem. 
to the Middle East. Right. Which is where I'm from. I'm from the Middle East. Uh-huh. And, um, and I figured, well, it's been a while since I've been home, so, alright, let's, uh, let's go up to Africa. So I spent two years hitchhiking from Cape Town to Jerusalem. Wow. Um, when I hit Kenya, I, I got stuck because I couldn't get an overland visa to Ethiopia. And so I was basically forced to take a flight from Nairobi to Addis Ababa. Other than that, everything was done by land and sea. So and what was the, what was the, sorry, I know it's not I'm aching to get to, like, why no flight? I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Um, so the first uh, motivation to not fly was the cost of it? Sure. Um, the second was environmental impact yeah. that everyone who flies, because now flying is so is relatively easier and affordable to almost everyone. Accessible, yeah. Um, so everyone's on it. You know, there's more planes in the skies than birds, I think. Yeah. Uh, and so that, uh, and plus when you fly, it's quite a shock when you enter a new land. Because all airports are built the same. It's just a shopping center with, with buses with wings. Yeah. Outside. That's with $15 it. sandwiches. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Chicorones. become this thing like, oh my god. It's, it's, uh, let's not go there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and when you step out of an airport, um, you're, 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 you're basically, you're, you, you step into, it's like a grenade that, you, that goes off. You step into this grenade and it explodes. Of culture and language and noise you have no idea about, you've never seen before. It's just, it's all in your face, you know, everyone's coming over. So taxi, taxi, what taxi? You don't know where to look left or right. Like, oh, uh, 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 I, I just stepped out of an air conditioned shopping center with, with a plane and, yeah, and this is what, oh, what do I go? You know, everyone's getting ripped off right, left, right, and center because, mm-hmm. because on one side, they see the emerging, uh, tourists from the airport as a, as a, as a cash machine. Mm-hmm. And on the other side, the emerging tourist is like, I'm going to get robbed and scammed. <laughs> Whereas you travel by land, you gradually enter cultures because every culture is quite similar. The one you left, the one you're entering, it will always have that bridging, you know, that over the bridge yeah, type yeah. of, of uh, um, marriage type of thing. The end and of the ecology. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And so it, it's, it's a smoother transition. It's less surprised. You're more ready for everything that's about to, to hit you. Yeah. And also, uh, land borders are a lot less busy mm. than uh, airport lines. And also, the airport, you have to reach there three hours earlier. 
Yeah. And you know, I can do a lot more in those three hours than waiting <laughs> around. <laughs> so you're traveling through Africa for two years. Yes. Wow. Yeah, and the reason it took that long is I decided after the boat, when you're on a boat, you're on the captain's schedule. What the captain says goes. Yeah. Like, he says, if we go now, you go now. There's no, you don't even have time to say goodbye. You, I learned the art of ninja bombing quite well. <laughs> uh, so in Africa, when I jumped ship, because he continued sailing up the west coast to France, I decided, all right, now on my time, I'm going to stay in each country as long as the visa lets me. So I averaged three months in most places. Kenya, I stayed longer. Uh, I think in total it was seven or nine months, but we're bouncing to Uganda um, twice. Uh, yeah, and then the rest, uh, Ethiopia was a month, Sudan. I only got a transit visa through Sudan, uh, so that was two weeks, and then Egypt, three weeks, and then, yeah, Israel. Any challenges going through Africa, <laughs> like not being the darkest of complexions? <laughs> It was interesting. I think because of my lighter shade of grey, I got a lot more respect and a lot more... It was almost as though everything that had come from the colonisation of European powers in Africa, it was still... It still echoed. Yeah. For instance, although all the African nations are now independent, they still worship... Um, you know, in most sub-Sahara countries, uh, Jesus is the main um, yeah. form of uh, worship. You worship Jesus. Jesus is a white man. So essentially, they're still worshipping uh, that lighter shade of grey. Yeah. And to me, it really bugged me because they would go out of their way to help me. And I'd ask them, would you do this to your neighbour? And they would say, no. We don't. No. And, and, and I noticed that something... Everywhere, not just in Africa, but all places, mm-hmm. people will go out of their way to help out a foreigner to show to them, hey, we're not like we're portrayed on the news. But then why don't they do that to their neighbor? Yeah, you know, just someone on the street. How often do you walk down the street and say, hi, hello, g'day, how you doing? You know, just spreading that, that salutation in the morning. I kind of do. This is fantastic. I do as well. But how many people out there actually yeah, do that, actually right? Whereas in Africa, you can't you can't take a step without someone having a half hour conversation with you just to mm-hmm. find out a little bit about where you're from and your culture, which yeah. is fantastic. And I think that's how life should be. You walk down the street, you're, you're connecting with so many people, and you know, I come back to Australia and I'm on the train, everyone's like this. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm just I just look around. I love people watching on the train yeah. and the train. I just watch and think, this. Is Wow, no one's talking to each other. No one's looking at each other. I remember one time I took the train to, to a friend's dinner, and, his, and it was quite packed, and this man had gotten on. He was carrying a bag, and there was a bit of space on the bench I was sat, so I made some more room, and he sat down. And the first thing he did was not take out his phone, he just sat there. And I was just sitting there, and I'm looking around, everyone's on their phone, and I just turned to him and said, G'day. He said, oh, hey, how you doing? I said, great, I'm Simon, I'll be a co-passenger for this ride. <laughs> and we just had an amazing conversation. And this man told me these adventures of travelling up to Darwin in the outback in the 70s after Cyclone Tracy. Well, and just all these incredible stories that we shared. And at the end I was like, hey, I've got to get off this station. Uh, it was really great conversing with you. And he said, thank you for the conversation, this was great. Mm-hmm. Hope to see you again on the line. <laughs> you know, it's, that's what I do on planes as well when I do occasionally fly. I just turn to the person next to me and say, hi, I'll be, I'm Simon, I'll be a passenger for this flight. <laughs> and just start a conversation, you know, in taxis. My, my, my mother would, uh, she'd just look at me sometimes after a taxi ride 
He's like, I don't know, you just, you just talk to the driver and have a conversation. I said, yeah, it's, you know, it's people. It's weird to sit in a car and not converse with the driver. Not talk to them. You know? When, when my friends grab Ubers and I'm with them, I'll always try and engage the driver. Whereas my friends will give me this eye, like, what are you doing, man? It's, yeah. It's chill. So was that connection with humans something that was always a part of your life or was that cultivated through your travels more? Uh, I think I've always been that, that kind of person, just as high and, and, mm. and that kind of wanting that connection. Uh, I think because I have a lonely childhood, so I think I'm always looking for reconnecting. Yeah. Um, and obviously through traveling, it cultivated to a lot more where I'd walk down the street and I would notice people just looking at me and they would have this stare in their eye like, who's, who's this guy? You know, this is angry sort of look. Mm. Almost menacingly, you know, and you don't know, oh, should I cross the street? <laughs> and, you know, I would just go, hi. And suddenly they would light up and smile and, and the whole energy, <laughs> you know, it's like, all you have to do is smile and people go from that to, hey, man, where are you going, what are you doing, how are you? <laughs> yeah. It's amazing. It's fascinating. Yeah. The power of a smile. I remember when I first moved to Melbourne, it was just, I noticed, like, distinctly that, Especially like at the end of work when you'd be walking around, people were just not in a happy place. No, there's not very many smiles. Everybody's buttoned down and like heads down, and because they're yeah. locked in from yeah, from what society demands of them. <laughs> the big energy, the yeah. energy that they're putting out. To, and then people say, "Oh, I, I could never do what you do. I'm too scared. I'm too that." I was, I was terrified. Yes, yeah, so tell us more about that. I was. So I left on May 13th in 2013. Mm. Nothing specific about the day. It just turned out to be a, a good number to travel. And um, I left at 6.30 in the morning. And at 6.15, I sat in my car. And my hands were on the wheel because they're shaking. Mm. I was grabbing the wheels so they stopped shaking. And the whole car shook. <laughs> how scared I was. Because in my, my, my mind, my subconscious is going, dude, what are you doing? What the? Yeah. You cra- look behind you and I look around. There's my surfboard and there's... You know, my car's full of, of little possessions that I have. My subconscious goes, what are you doing, man? You're just going to leave all this and I look at the house. Yeah. And what are you going to do? Where are you going to go? What's going to be out there? Mm. So I don't know. Let's find out. Turn the car engine and off I went. Yeah. That was it. Because we need fear, right? People say you shouldn't be afraid of anything because it's not healthy. You need fear because without fear, you don't have that challenge to take that step over the edge. Mm. And once you take the step over the edge, everything falls into place. Mm. As long as you get over that first step, the next step will follow so fluidly and so smoothly. And and then the next step. And then before you know it, you're in a rhythm. And you look back and you think, I was scared of this. (laughs) Taking a step. That's crazy. (laughs) That's so inspirational. (laughs) Just take that first step. Take that first step. Talking about steps, you didn't step, like, how did you go over spending so much time on water? Like, like time at sea, like, did you, was this something you'd done before your travels? Did you know that you were going to be comfortable out at sea? I had no idea. <laughs> I'd never thought of it before. Uh, because, you know, with travel, traveling, you're supposed to step out of your comfort zone. Yeah. Right? You have to challenge yourself. That's yeah. how you, that's how we grow. Mm. And I didn't do it on purpose. That was not my, it's not like I went out and thought, all right, how do I challenge myself and put myself in the most uncomfortable mm-hmm. zones that I know for myself? Um, I, I have a, a connection with water. Uh, my last name 
maybe well, he's, he's ocean. Mm-hmm. Um, my my uncle's last name is Vasilman, which means waterman. Ah. Uh, I was born in the, under the stars on Aquarius. I like to say that I originated from Neptune, <laughs> and we are seventy percent water. This planet is seventy percent water, wrongly named Earth. Yeah, it's more water than Earth. Um, and I've I've always I've always swum. Always been very comfortable in water from a very young age. My only issue with water was if I couldn't see the bottom, then I would be apprehensive, yeah. and I would be okay. I can't go there. I don't know what's down there because I grew up on a lot of documentaries. I would watch. All documentaries that I could, and this is before internet, so <laughs> whatever was on TV basically is what I was fed. Yeah. And uh, so a lot of doc- I really love the documentaries about uh, marine life. Yeah. And as a kid on my bedroom walls, I didn't have posters of rock stars or sporting heroes. I had a poster of a great white shark. Yeah. With all the information about it, mm-hmm. and I had a tapestry of tigers around a water pool. Yeah, right. That was what. Okay, I had one poster of Samantha Fox. <laughs> it was Samantha Fox. <laughs> Uh, but other than that, it was it was animals. Yeah. And so when uh, when I left Melbourne, I moved to Lawn, which is where I I uh, worked in hospitality and had to quit after two years. And while I was in Lawn, I taught myself how to surf. Mm. And then that connection to the water, to riding a wave, mm. or, the, or allowing the wave, or the wave allowing me to ride it. Yeah. That was that was it. That was like the marriage. Yeah. That was like you and I, you know, till death do us part. Beautiful. <laughs> And uh, and so when I hit Darwin and sailed to uh, Indonesia, that was quite easy because it was it was a, it was an eight day sail with yeah. a crew of eight, yeah. calm waters, the Timor Sea, yeah. and you know you've got a giant island behind you and you've got a string of sixteen thousand islands in front of you. <laughs> so if anything happens, someone will find you. Yeah. When I hit the Indian Ocean. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So we encountered a lot of storms. Yeah. Big storms. Uh, I, I, I don't get seasick. That's something that I, I discovered quite early on in my yeah. life. I don't get seasick. And so when, when we, uh, when we hit those first storms, I can tell you that, uh, shitting bricks is <laughs> it's basically, basically the way I tell it is that first storm that we hit, I froze, sat down, shat bricks from those bricks, built a safe house, and stood in that safe house. So I had sea for five months with a few stops on island. You built a safe house along the way. So gradually, the safe house, uh, I, I gradually took, took the bricks away. Because I, I, I realized, this storm's passed. Yeah. Everything will pass. That's something the sea told me. Mm-hmm. Everything will pass. The, the, the shit will, will, you know, the turmoil and all that, it'll happen and it'll stay for like 20 minutes and in that moment you think, oh my god, this is it, we're done, we're finished, we're dead, we're dead in the water. And then it passes and just, it's all calm, like, whoa, that's it? That's so profound. That's, that was nothing. And then another one comes, you're like, oh, that's something. <laughs> yeah. And I remember sitting down, uh, west coast of Madagascar and, uh, Manu, the first mate, Tells me a story. He says, you, uh, you know, Simon, some years ago, my father, uh, he has a friend, and he sells these same hotels. In the same time of year, one day, you know, Francois is always telling you to close the porthole, Francois is the captain. I said, yeah, man, why? Why can't I just leave the porthole open, you know, I want some air? Because this way it come in. And so much water, squeeze through a small hole, thousands of liters. Why did that friend? 
is so visible. In these waters, we I look at the depth reader, 848 meters. And I'm thinking, wow, that's uh, something I didn't want to know. You just <laughs> waited till we're on land and told me that's what it is. <laughs> so now we're sailing in these waters, the very same waters as his father's friends had uh, sunk. And uh, and then that night he's cooking in the galley. I'm I'm in my cabin. I'm just watching a movie on my laptop. Usually I watch uh, films and, and I'll have headphones in and the volume's at 8 or 10. <laughs> that night I had to bring it up to 60. Until that was, you know, it was too loud. I was like, what's going on? I can't hear anything. What I could hear is this howling, roaring wind coming mm-hmm. from outside. I look through the porthole and it's just, it's black, it's black. I get up and I come up to the deck and the captain there is navigating. And the captain's got this blissful look on his face like he's just, mm-hmm. like that. And I look around and it's like we're in a can of black paint. It's like a black hole. No light can escape. I've never seen this kind of darkness anywhere. Right. It's just pitch black. I'm looking around. No stars. And no stars, nothing. Lightning rips the sky open. If you've ever been underwater and you see a wave roll over, you see that ripple effect? The whole sky is like that. That's the cloud. Huge cloud. You can't, there's nothing on the horizon. It's just pitch black. I'm looking up, seeing these ripples. The captain's all blissed out. He goes, Vids the wind leader. So I look at the wind reader. It says 58 knots. 58 knots is 107 kilometers an hour. That's a lot of wind, which is why it's roaring. So I'm standing there looking around going, holy shit. And I see the captain's quite calm, which made me really calm. You know, I was like, well, if he's not panicked, why should I panic? And I look behind and the phosphorus plankton is lit up and it's like a little hyperspace. Because we're not sailing, we are flying, we're just on the water. And it turns out we're in the eye of the storm, which is why the waters are relatively calm. And we were just, but we're healing on like a 55 degree angle because it's a monohull, the boat. And so I'm sitting up there with him and just enjoying the, the, it's almost like a serenity. It's weird to say. It was quite peaceful. Peaceful in the eye of the storm. And then, uh, and so Manu's, uh, making up dinner. So I head down to help him out into the galley. And we're cooking around. And he says, okay, get a can of chickpeas from the, the pantry. So I turn around, get a can of chickpeas from the pantry, turn back. And this wave has popped open the porthole and has just come in for dinner without being invited. Oh. Now, I've never seen such a vast amount of water squeeze through a tiny oh, no! and start to fill us up. <laughs> Manu jumps on the porthole, locks it, turns off the gas at the same time. And, I, and we're standing, like, just under knee-deep water. Yeah. And he turns to me and he goes, turn on the bilge pump. So, you know, I lift up the floorboard and uh, try and kick in the bilge pump. It's not working. Manu, it's not working. Manu tries to kick it in. It's not working. He turns to me and says, Simon, now we bear. Far out, we've got a bail the boat? Are you kidding me? We're on the, we're off the shores of Madagascar. They, they don't have roads, let alone the ability to launch a search and rescue operation in the middle of the night in a freaking storm with 58 knot winds. I'm jumping ship, mate. Yeah. When this uh, when it gives me a bucket of Simon, you bail the boat with water. I said, you could have opened with that. <laughs> and I sit in the water and I pass in my buckets of water. Yeah. Three hours later, we've, we've dried up the place like it never happened. I don't know to this day if the captain has any idea what happened. He's <laughs> up there. He's <laughs> Riding in the ice. <laughs> so we're high-fiving and hugging good to be alive and floating. 
And then Mimi says, you know, this is a good experience for you, huh? I said, uh, yeah, I guess. <laughs> oh, because now you can say, oh, say no. I said, no, no, I've been with you guys four months. Two months ago, I've already claimed myself. He <laughs> says, no, 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 Simone, you don't understand. Did you notice uh, maybe there weren't any other sailboats? I started to think. Oh, actually, you're right. We didn't pass a single other sailboat. We passed freighters, cargo ships, mm-hmm. the occasional fishing boat, which I thought were pirates and every time they approached us, but it turns out they were just fishing boats. Yeah. That was it. No other sailing boats. I know why weren't there other sailing boats. <laughs> hey, it's not the season. I know what season is this. It is cyclone season. <laughs> <laughs> This is cyclone season. Wait. Why are we sailing in cyclone season? Captain so loves it. I love it. Now you love it. Love is a strong word. And next time you should leave with... By the way, we're going to be sailing into cyclone season when you invite people to sail. Not that I would have said no. I would have said yes. But still. Amazing. But yeah, that was that was incredible. So when we rounded the Cape of Good Hope and encountered fourteen foot swells, I was just I was blissed as the captain. While the uh the other crew, when we had left in Madagascar and we picked up this couple and they were struggling. Yeah. They were even though they took seasick tablets, they were just bringing up everything that they try to keep down. Yeah, amazing. Amazing. <laughs> yeah. Which wow. gave me a lot of respect for the water, a lot of renewed respect. Because mm. yeah, that's when I understood water as not just the most powerful element on Earth, but actually the most powerful element in the universe. Because yes. it's found in the universe. It's in cloud form, traveling through the universe, like trillions of liters. They found this cloud form back in 2011, way out somewhere. Really? Yeah. And, um, and, and the fact that water gives life and takes life, we all come from water. The water is abundant and everywhere all the time, you know, in liquid, solid, and paper, that it's transparent, so there's no bullshit, right? It is it is what it is, and it can be merciless and merciful, and it can spread disease or it can spread good energy. It cleanses. Yeah. You come out of the ocean or the shower, you feel refreshed, you feel rejuvenated. And that made me realize that's what we should be worshipping. Water. Water is the holy grail, not everything else that we've been told, which is led to basically destroying nature mm-hmm. and ourselves as as being. Yeah. And uh yeah, so those five months really changed my approach to water. Yeah, there's a profound energy behind the water and polluting it um mm-hmm. in yeah, a really intense way. Um and I think a lot of it was um you know, a lot of that I just really hit ahead recently with the pipelines in, in South America. Or in, no, through America actually, right? Was it America? Standing Rock, you're talking yeah, about. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, I'm kind of going to use that as a bit of a segue to, uh, to dive into music. Because mm. you basically supported yourself through your travels by playing. Yeah, I call it, um, using music as currency. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, tell us more about that. So, uh. Was that the intention from the outset? That was not the intention. <laughs> I, when I started traveling, I was a lost soul. Yeah. And so I didn't really know what I was looking for, I just knew I had to go. Yeah. Um, and I knew that, okay, I can play guitar and sort of sing. Uh, and I'd only just started playing on stage in front of people, uh, in, in lawn, it just open mic nights. Yeah. Get up, play a few songs, and I'd be so nervous. Mm. Look. And um, 
And then when, when I when I had that revelation of travel, I go traveling, and then my subconscious said, you know, how are we going to support ourselves? And I said, oh, just play music. Who's going to say no to music? You know. And uh, I just hoped that was good enough. <laughs> and so I started, I started as I started traveling. I actually didn't play any music until I reached Darwin because my guitar. I only realized on my travel from the start it was broken. <laughs> and so only when I reached the town of Catherine in the outback, about uh, four and a half thousand kilometers after leaving Melbourne, uh, could I fix my guitar, find the implement that I needed. Yeah. And so only after Catherine, I started to jam around fires when I was camping. Yeah. Then I hit down, did a few open mic nights, or yeah, open mic nights, and uh, and then as I started traveling, it started to kick in. People see the guitars, hey, come on, let's just have a jam, to start jamming. And it only really uh, took effect in Africa because um, it was weird. In, in certain Thailand, I was I, I was on the island of Koh Phangan, mm-hmm. and I had a scooter accident. Very minor accident, um, so I got what you call the Kofangan tattoo, and uh, <laughs> and there were a few scratches on the bike, uh, and I told my host, look, I'll, I'll, I'll get the money to, I'll take responsibility, it's my, my fault, my action, I will take action to fix it. Yeah. Uh, turns out the street gang owned the bike, and they realized that a, a, a foreigner, a phalang, had crashed it, yeah. and they wanted, they wanted to... Make okay. ends meet for that money. Clear out the mortgage. Yeah. Uh, so I was being extorted. And so I went around the island looking for places to, to gig. And I got a gig and I was paid. And it was one of the worst gigs I've ever played. Right. Because money was involved. Right. And when I, when I hit, uh, the shores of Africa and just started to play just, just for myself and then seeing that it actually was getting people dancing and happy and smiling. I thought, oh, maybe I'm not that bad. <laughs> and I can use this as, as currency to get around. Who's going to say no to music? Yeah. And music is it's for the soul. And, and, it, and it's in, music is a language everyone can understand. Yeah. Do you it's know? Any language suddenly, yeah. It does. It's intergalactic, right? Yeah. And, and so, and, and music, I found on my travels, music gravitates people mm. to its source. Whenever you, you walk past somewhere and you hear a good song, you stop. You're like, what was that? Where's that coming from? You know, you start to look for it. Yeah. You go to a festival yeah, 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 yeah. and there's a lot of stages and you go, oh, I don't know where to go. I don't know who to see. And then you walk around and that song, that frequency grabs you and you gravitate towards it. You want to see who's making that frequency that is making you feel elated and joyful and happy and just everything else crumbles away because you're just in that moment with music, nothing else. Nothing yeah. else is important, just that music. Mm-hmm. And when I realized, oh, it gravitates people to the source, I would, I would play and I would uh, approach. Um, so I would never worry about where I was going to sleep in the evenings when I'd get to a destination at night. If I had a host lined up, obviously I'd stay with a host. If... Um, if I didn't have a host lined up, sometimes the driver that would pick me up would say, where are you staying tonight? Why don't you stay with me and my family? I think they would love to hear your story and maybe play some music for us. Yeah. And I've had to play music on rides as well sometimes. So I'd say, hey, play some guitar. You're on barter, so let's exchange. Oh, get the ride here. And, uh, and a lot of times when I didn't have anywhere to stay, I'd reach a town at 6 p.m. It's black. It's pitch black at night. Um, 
walk around to your hotel, walk in, and I play music for your guests. I'm not asking for money, just a bed, something to eat. In the morning, I'm gone. Yeah, all right, yeah. So you get a few no's on the way as well. Sometimes places are fully booked. They don't have enough guests. They don't understand the concept or like what I'm, what I'm saying. You know, it's really hard to say, don't want money. And they just look at me like, no. <laughs> no, you cannot live like this. <laughs> I am. The amount of times people have said to me, no, that is impossible. You cannot do this. And I would tell them, nothing is impossible. Look to the sky. We have satellites. We have planes moving people from one land to another in hours. What yeah. used to take years and months has come down to hours. Yeah. Yeah. You're telling me it's impossible to travel without using money and without flying. Yeah. I can't buy that. Impossible to spell. I am impossible. Shared as that is. Nothing is impossible. Yeah. In my world, at least. I can't accept that. I don't accept that in my vocabulary. Possible and perfect are words that should never exist. Mm. Tell us more about why perfect should exist. Because <laughs> perfection is only how you define it. Mm. No one else can walk by and say, that's perfect. Because... Because everyone's going to say, uh, you know, if you did it like this or if you did it like that, so to them, they have to change it for themselves for it to be perfect. Yeah. But for you, when you create whatever it is that you've created and you look at it and go, that is perfect. Mm. For you. Someone else will come by it. Ah, do that. <laughs> but no, that's perfect for me. It's not for you. Uh, you want to do it perfect? You go and make it. <laughs> And the same with people. No one's perfect. There's yeah. no such thing. We all come from, from this conditioned society that has really screwed us up mm. it, to a point that the only thing that is perfect is the air that we breathe. Mm. Because with, without imperfections, you're not going to be challenged. Mm. And if everything is perfect, mm. how are you going to grow? Kind of thing. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah, words. there are words out there that shouldn't to be used for existence. <laughs> Amazing. I love how you tied that back into the beginning, which is basically challenges growth. Um, yeah, there's been some really profound nuggets. Thank you so much mm. for sharing so deeply, brother. Challenges growth um, in the eye of the storm, also, like teaching us that there's peace in the eye of the storm, like holding the temperament, and also the message of like that it will all pass. You know, no matter what hits you, it will always pass. Also, that impossible is nothing. <laughs> that's super profound. And that perfect is totally relative. Yeah, that's super, super awesome. Man. Thank yeah. you so much for sharing. Like, what an incredible journey. An absolute pleasure, man. I'm grateful not just for your time here today to show up and share your bio and your ingenious stories. And I know we've probably scratched the surface of like how deep that well of stories goes and like the insights from that as well. Um, but also just all the, like, all the travel and all the work you've done on yourself. Like, I think it's, um, a testament, even just the conversations we've had, this one, but the ones prior as well. It's like, maybe it's a byproduct of traveling, or you've always, like, had that, but in terms of just how deeply you reflect on what, like, life is teaching you, and, like, just the willingness to take on those lessons, and yes, the adventure, but the curiosity as to what the adventure will unveil on the other side, almost with the energy of, Conquest or something, mm. you know, like the person that's on the other side of the adventure. So I really appreciate all that work that you've done on yourself and, uh, mm -hmm. and yeah, just blessings for what's coming forward, man, for like what's ahead and the journey ahead. I'm really excited. For those that want to tune into, um, 
to, to Simon Ocean? What's the best way for them to do that? Uh, so I have a online presence called The Nomadic Diaries, which you can find on uh, Facebook. Um, there's a YouTube channel yep. with uh, videos, I think, total of 70 views. Awesome. So you guys are welcome to spruce that up a bit. <laughs> uh, and uh, my website links to the Facebook page, which has all the photos. Yep. Um, and I'm being republished on the Good Men's Project. Awesome. And uh, there should be a book coming out soon. I'm still working on last bits of it. Perfect. So, yeah. Awesome. Still happening. Thank you so much for your blessings, brother. Thank you. Thank you for this platform <laughs> to be able to share and 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 to have people of inspiration to come here and and share their their stories with you, so that you can then share it to the world and hopefully together we'll manifest this change we want. You. That's the whole you. thing. We're seeing the change. We're just seeing the world. Thanks for tuning in, guys. Hey Tribe, thanks for tuning in to another fun, enlightening episode of the Inspired Evolution. I've been loving all the feedback and personal stories of love, uh, health and growth. Your feedback and stories are incredibly welcome. The easiest way to connect with me is via my website, which is www.amrit-sandu.com. You can leave me a message or a comment. It's one of my highest values to connect, so I love to connect and love to hear from you. You can also find me on Facebook, Amrit Sandu. And if the content has been resonating with you, you can help the Inspired Evolution out in a big way by liking the YouTube channel, subscribing to the Inspired Evolution, or the Facebook page, like that please, at the Inspired Evolution, or by leaving a review on iTunes if you're on an Apple device. And also, if the Inspired Evolution episodes are inspiring an evolution within you, or you can feel the inspiration is valuable for your team to evolve to the next level, you can head on over to www.amrit-sandu.com to see how the Inspired Evolution can help you and your team thrive. Much love, tribe. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.